Exodus. Did I say Genesis? Exodus. Exodus. I'm sorry, y'all. But you guys should all know we're in the book Exodus, but regardless of what I say. Exodus 20, verse number 8. The Bible says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. Look at verse number 11. It says, for in the six days, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is. And rested, everyone said rested. And rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it or made it holy. And I want to talk to you today on the Sabbath. The Sabbath or the rest. Can we say that? The rest. The rest. And um, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about why we are not what you might call Seventh-day Adventists. And that means that we do not believe that you have to go to church on Saturday, unless it's some special event. <laughs> but we don't, we don't advocate for uh, the worship of God on Saturday specifically. Uh, this, this is probably one of the most multidimensional of the commandments. It's, it's very complicated. Um, so I'm going to try to give you a very good, brief overview of what all of this means for us today, but I'm going to do it from as high of a vantage point as possible. So uh, just stick with me. I believe this message is going to bless your soul. Jesus, we thank you for this word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray, God, that you would use me to bless your people. Talk to us, God. Open our understanding we and show us you, things God. we've not seen heretofore. God. God, I pray that there would enter in us move of your spirit by the end of this service that would excite us, God, that would bless us, that would heal us, that would liberate us in our minds, in our hearts, and spirits. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Lord bless you, you may be seated. We are going to start our lesson tonight on or in the book of Genesis, and in particular, in the creation week, or what is typically called the creation week. In this creation week of the Bible, God says seven times that everything he created is good. Then on the seventh day, after all of creation is complete, God stops working. And when he does so, all of creation enters. Everyone say enters. All of creation enters into his presence and rests. This is an important theological fact. Because it is the same idea that Paul will refer to in the book of Hebrews 4 and 9. When he says that they who are entered into God's rest. Amen. Also cease from their own works as God did 
from his. In other words, the Apostle Paul is alluding to the fact that there will come a time where people will enter into a rest. Amen. And that rest that God gives them will allow them to cease from their own efforts to save themselves. When the Israelites heard the commandment in Exodus chapter 20 to rest on the seventh day, they were not hearing anything new. But rather they were hearing the reinstating of an old law that God had instituted since the creation of the world. But Adam, Eve, and Satan foiled the plan of God. From the very beginning of Genesis, God intended for humanity and everything on earth to have a rest. I can't stress this enough, that this is what God wanted since the beginning. It was hard for the Israelites standing at Mount Sinai and hearing the Ten Commandments to believe that rest was even possible. These were people who were slaves and whose ancestors were slaves going back 400 plus years. When you've been a slave that long, you don't even know you're a slave. At least not, in try, at least not until you try to do something different than what your slave master says. Then you find out that you're not so free. Israel's bondage to Egypt was no secret to them. They knew, amen, that they were under some sort of uh, servitude to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Amen. But how severe it was, wasn't revealed to them until God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. In other words, God was telling Pharaoh, amen, stop the work. And let Israel worship me. Pharaoh refused to agree to this. But in many ways the Israelites did too. On more than one occasion. They looked back to their time in Egypt. With very positive feelings. God would have none of it. And as we discussed in our first series of lessons. God said Egypt is the house of bondage. We won't call it anything else other than that. You guys cannot look back to this time of your life and say, those were some pretty good times. Those were not pretty good times. There's nothing good about being in servitude. There's nothing good about being in bondage. And there's nothing good about not having rest. Somebody say amen. The problem with the house of bondage is that everyone in it is in bondage. The problem with the house of bondage is that everyone in it is in bondage. Slave owner and slave alike. One man might have a chain wrapped around his ankle, but the other one has one wrapped around his neck. Slave owners become chained to the work provided by slaves. Slavery destroys the owner and the slave. Because Pharaoh refused to abandon the notion of slavery He destroyed himself, he destroyed his land, and he destroyed his own people. The slave owner might originally think, you know what, this is a pretty good deal. I boss people around, they provide cheap labor, I make all the gains. But little does he know that he's becoming addicted to something that has bad results, destructive results. Somebody say, praise God. God. This is not really part of tonight's lesson. 
But let me just tell you something. As Christians, we ought not want to control anybody. Right. We, 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 we should not be, you know, they got this term, helicopter parents. We ought to not be helicopter Pentecostals. Praise God. Yeah. You know, and if you're not careful, you start trying to control and manipulate people. And before you know it, the one, the one, the damage will end up being mutual. You will hurt that person and you will hurt yourself as well. Amen. It does, it does you no good to bring people under your control and under your power. Amen. It is God's will that people be free. Amen. We don't, around here, I mean, I, you, you may have never heard me say this. But around here, I'd rather teach competence than exercise control. When you teach people how to be competent, when you teach people how to make decisions, amen, there is no need to control them, amen. God wants competent people, not controlled people. Somebody say praise the Lord. The liberation and the law that was given to the Israelites is an attempt to get them to enter into God's rest. God tells Israel that he has a promised land for them. But more importantly than the promised land is the fact that God expects Israel to live according to promises. Even before they get into the promised land. He says we are going to enter into a covenant. We are going to enter into a contract. That's what the Ten Commandments is. It is a contract between God and his people. And he says if you do this, I will do this. I, I want you to live according to my promises. And I want you to keep, I will keep my promises to you. And I want you to keep your promises to me. Unfortunately, in the wilderness, Israel fails. This was no secret to the Jewish people. They have always known that the, the experiment in the desert, if you will, was an absolute failure on the part of the Jewish people. In fact, David himself, reflecting on this fact, wrote an entire psalm about it. In Psalms 95 and 8, he says, Harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation. Amen. As in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest from Genesis to Exodus God wants his people to find rest God wants his people to find rest it was his will in the beginning but man messed up and you can even see that the minute man messes up he is subjected to work now he's gonna now he's got a sweat from his brow and his woman's gonna be in pain and the land is not gonna yield its fruit peaceably and everything is gonna be hard work and God says let's keep trying to do this and this time we'll do it through the institution of laws I will tell you to do it you will promise to do it you will have your rest one way or another but Israel refuses to do this you know the hard thing about being a slave uh, and 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 i i don't want to get on anything too touchy here but you there are people that will try to enslave you in more ways than one and one of the things they do is they try to keep you as busy as possible so that you have no time to think so that you have no time to contemplate the bad relationship you're in If they can keep you from thinking, they will keep you from leaving. If they can keep you busy, they will keep you from escaping. If they can, and they just, you know, slaves got all kinds of busy work. Right, right, right. 
They're not allowed to rest. They're not allowed to rest. And God says, whether the work's done or not, on the seventh day you stop. Whether the numbers are met or not, on the seventh day you stop. Whether the quotas are met or not, on the seventh day you stop. And you enter in to rest. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Israel's failure to live according to God's promises. You know, they didn't want to rest. They had never known. You ever met somebody that's never known how to relax? (laughs) I'm preaching this to me all right now. You know, this should not be hard for us to imagine. Some of us just have a worry button that doesn't let us rest. Others of us come from damaging relationships where we were not allowed to stay still. We had somebody on our tail all the time. And we haven't shaken that off. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Hallelujah. Israel said, we we don't understand this. God said, on the seventh day you rest. And you know, they, they, they sneak in work. You ever met somebody, you tell them to just relax? And their, their, their idea of relaxing is like vacuuming the ceilings? Okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. Man, I'm not getting a lot of amen. Israel didn't understand this concept. They would not do it. They would not keep the Sabbath repeatedly for breaking this promise among many. They are taken captive and subjected to the pains of forced labor and ruthless kings. Babylon, Assyria, Persia, Rome. All these countries would come in and work them to death. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but when the Babylonians took Israel captive, do you know that the Babylonians had a 10-day work week? A 10-day work week. And you know, when God is not over you and you're being ruled by ruthless men, they determine what your day off is and if you get one. And so because they would not rest, they were taken captive. And the thing that was taken from them was their rest. I'm telling you, it's no blessing to not have a day off. It's no blessing to not have rest. It's no blessing to go to sleep troubled at night. That is no blessing at all. That is no blessing to go seven days, amen, without stopping. Each time that Israel was taken captive and led and exiled from their own country and taken away from God's rest, God sent prophets to speak to them. In Jeremiah 6 and 16, the prophet says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, speaking of Israel, we will not walk therein. Isaiah 28 and 12, to whom he said, this is the rest. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Isaiah 30 and 15 says. For thus saith the Lord God. The Holy One of Israel. In returning. Or in repentance. 
you will find rest and be saved. And quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. What, what these prophets are saying, and this is just one of a slew of scriptures that, that, that use these parts of obey me. Do what I'm telling you and you'll get rest. The prophets are telling the people very clearly, God has a rest that he wants you to come into, but it requires you to obey him. God wants you to have this. God does, you're not losing anything by stopping. See, a lot of people don't like to stop because all of a sudden they cannot take any credit for the things that come into their life. You want to know why some people are workaholics? Because it drives them crazy to think that they might ever get something. And you know what? I'm, and I, I don't mean to get so... I don't mean to get so psychological on you, but some of us growing up our whole lives were made to feel that everything we have, we have to earn it. We have to earn love. We have to earn acceptance. We have to earn hugs. We have to earn money. We have to earn everything. And so when we get older, we just can't even fathom the thought that somebody would love us so much that they would give us something that we didn't work for, that they would give us something that we didn't even earn. I'm sorry. If you think you earned your salvation, you're dead wrong. If you think you earned the blessings of God, you're dead wrong. If you think God is good to you because you're good, you're dead wrong. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. You don't even love God because you're good. You love God because he loved you first. Amen. The blessings you have, you didn't earn those. The grace in your life, you didn't earn that. The Holy Ghost, you don't deserve that. God gave you that. That is God's gift. That is God's rest. That is God's blessing. Some of you have jobs you don't deserve. And I hope this is not too personal. The other day I was talking to, 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 uh, uh, to Brother Mario, and we were just talking about some health issues. But he was just telling me about how he, uh, even though he has some health issues, he's still unique in his category. Praise God. That's God's blessings on that man's life. That's God's rest in his life. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's God's goodness in his life right there. Praise God. Some of you, amen, you know you've had the same afflictions, the same problems that other people have, but you're still here. Why? Amen. Not because you earned it, not because you're good, not because you work for it, not because you're special, but because God is good. God's giving you a rest. God... Oh, come on, somebody. I've got a whole right now. Oh, come on, somebody. Give God some praise right now. Hallelujah. Oh, he's got a rest. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. I feel a special presence of God right now. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I know that there's more than one person in here that's been told by the doctor, man, you shouldn't be here. I know there's more than one person in here that knows they got a job they don't belong in. I know there's more than one person in here that knows you're making more an hour, amen, hallelujah, than you deserve. Praise God. Why? Because God just gave it to you. That's why. Because God is good. That's why. That's why. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, God's good, that's why. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Israel won't do it. Israel always got to sneak in a little work. Israel says, we don't want God's rest. 
If we rest on Saturday, who's going to pay the bills Monday? I'm preaching good right about now. If we rest now, you know, you know, old folks used to say, money don't grow on trees. <laughs> Tires don't pay for themselves. See that roof? I'm going to keep preaching. God says, you don't want to enter into rest. I'm going to move ahead with my plans to offer all of humankind rest. But not before trying one last time. God says, I'm going to reach out to what he calls the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says, I'm going to reach out to you one more time. It ain't going to be Moses. It ain't going to be Isaiah. It's not going to be Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Ezra. It's going to be me. I'm coming this time. I'm going to show up this time. The Bible says that God manifested himself in flesh. And so God came down in the form of a man. And what was his mission? To tell men that there's a rest. And where does Jesus preach his first sermon? In a synagogue. On what day? The Sabbath day. In Luke 4.16, the event is recorded. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. You know Isaiah, the guy who's telling people, rest. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Listen here to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? Jesus is actually referencing, amen, a year in the Bible known as the year of Jubilee. In Hebrew, it's known as the Yovel year. The word Jubilee or Yovel literally means the ram's horn. In Leviticus 25 and 9, the Israelites are commanded to blow a ram's horn every 49 years. And remember, amen, you can see a lot of sevens there leading up. It's actually, and I don't even have time to explain it to you, but it was a sabbatical year. It was a seven, it was something that was done every 49 years. Amen. And on the 49th, 49th year, the Israelites blew a trumpet and declared a nationwide release from debts and from bondage. On that 49th year, all prisoners and all captives were set free. All slaves were released. All debts were forgiven. And all property was returned to its original owners. In addition, all labor was to cease for one year. And those bound by labor contracts were released from them. As a result, all the land, all the people, and all the beasts of the field entered into rest. It was the day of Genesis. It was the seventh day of Genesis. 
all over again. Every 49 years, they had to lift up a horn and blow that horn. And once that went out, everybody's debts were forgiven. And once the debts were forgiven, everybody, amen, the, the debtor as, as well as the one carrying the debt, amen, they all had to stop working. Everybody had to realize what we get, we get from God. This goodness, we get from God. Amen. All these blessings I have, I don't get it from owning people. I don't get it from having all these great employees. Everything I have, everything good in my life comes from God. And I have a responsibility now, amen, to share this goodness. Amen. Hallelujah. And God said, you're going to stop working. And God looked at the field and said, and you're going to stop working the land. And then he looked and he said, and even the beasts are going to stop working. Everything will enter into my rest. Amen. And here in the book of Luke, Jesus says, this is what I'm here to preach. Rest. This is what you need to hear. Rest. This is what I've desired to give you since the very beginning. Rest. I want you to enter into my rest. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then in Matthew 12 and 8, Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You know what Jesus is saying? You come to me when you want rest. This ain't about the seventh day no more. This ain't even about the year of Jubilee no more. This is about me. Hallelujah. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And if you come to me, you're going to find you some rest. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you know Jesus tonight? Aren't you glad you're rested up in God? I know some of y'all came from work, but don't you feel rested up in God? Some of you had some hard lives, but do you remember the rest you got the day you got saved? Do you remember the rest you got Amen. the day you came out of the water? Do you remember the rest you felt when you spoke in tongues for the first time? Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God gives rest. God's own people didn't receive this. They never did receive this. The Sabbath was a day, not a person. The year of Jubilee was a year on the calendar, not a carpenter boy. The Sabbath was a law, not Mary's son. It did not compute. And so what did they do? What did they do to the man that offered them to enter into rest? They crucified him. In fact, Jesus, and I don't even have time to go into this. Their theologians divide Sabbaths into low Sabbaths and high Sabbaths. In the book of John, it says that Jesus was, sacri- was buried in, on the high Sabbath, on the high holy day, they call him. And what did Jesus do? He rested for three days. And you know what happened after he rested? He came out with all power in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. You know what? A lot of people think, man, if I I enter into God's rest, hallelujah, if I depend on him, if I have faith in him, if I quit worrying, amen, if I trust in this spirit that fills my life, amen, everything's going to go wrong. I'm going to get weakened. I'm going to get bruised. I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to be held captive. I'm going to go down. The creditors are going to get me. Amen. My health is going to, everything's going to fail. Amen. Hallelujah. Guess what? When Jesus took his rest, amen, the Bible says he rose with all power. When you obey God and you do what God you go into Jesus. Huh? Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. 
somebody say praise God. Somebody say praise God. You see, the Sabbath day, you didn't have a choice. Saturday was coming whether you liked it or not. And if you got funny, you might get rocked. You didn't have no choice. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, oh, you have a choice. Because this ain't about days on the calendar no more. This is now about whether you will receive me. And if you will receive me, you will not enter into the Sabbath. The Sabbath will enter into you. Everyone who comes to Jesus is entering into the rest God intended for them from Genesis. That rest is entering into you. Several months ago, I got into a very long series of debates with a man. Let me just tell you something. You start getting into this idea that you got to earn your salvation. It never stops. When you start teaching and preaching like, you know what, it has to be Saturday. It's not too long until you start preaching and teaching and you can't eat this. And you can't eat that. And you, and you can't do this on that day. And you can't do that on that day. Let me tell you, God was talking to that man. Me and that man debated for hours. I tried to dodge it because we don't believe in debates. I just don't. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't do that. I, I know what I believe. There's no use in me and you fighting about it. We're not going to just do. We're not going to waste each other's time. Praise God. And, uh, and so I, I dodged it, but he just would not. He would not. Give in. He kept nagging and nagging. So finally, I said, okay, you really want to discuss this? And just tell him you, you got your stuff all messed up. And, and so I let him have it several times. I wasn't mean about it. I just, I was just about it. Praise God. And, uh, and so, uh, but God started dealing with him. I'm telling you, God was talking to that man. Amen. God was dealing with that man. God was trying to get through to that man. Amen. But he insisted. You you see, all of us know that there's something wrong in the world. All of us know that. All of us know that here's us, here's the world, and here's God. And between us and God, there's this big gap. And the the age-old question is who's going to fill the gap? Who's, how, how are we going to fill the gap? The Muslim says, you got to bow five times a day. The Muslim says, you can't eat pork. The Seventh-day Adventist says the same thing. Uh-huh. Amen. Says, you got to go to church on the seventh day. You, you know, the Seventh-day Adventists are some of the biggest vegetarians you'll ever find. They make veggie dogs, veggie burgers, veggie everything. And, and, and so they can't, and then, and then you can't even eat certain veggie food. And I'm not here clowning on vegetarians. Not really, kind of. But uh, started, started, it, it just never ends. Right, right. Everyone's trying to fill that gap. The Buddhists is trying to fill that gap. The Muslim, the Catholics are trying to fill that gap. And, and even they, they, even they are trying to earn their salvation. You got to rub the beads. You got to say the prayers. You got They're trying to fill that gap between God and humanity. Amen. You know what we believe? Jesus filled the gap. Amen. Jesus filled the gap. Listen, amen. I, Jesus, I don't, I don't. I don't have to bow any times a day. God's not saying you got to do this, this, and this. The only thing God is saying is come to me with all of your heart and I will give you rest. I will fill that gap. I, 
God came to earth as a man so that men can be more like God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what makes us more like God? Not us. God makes us more like God. Amen. Not what I do, but what God does in me. Hallelujah. I was telling the young man, Victor, today, I said, Victor, he said, he said, what's it like when you get the Holy Ghost? I said, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. He said, what's that like? I, he said, is it like being happy? I said, no, no. I said, you'll be happy. I said, but it's not like that. And I never really thought about this until I started talking to Victor. I said, Victor, you know what getting the Holy Ghost is like? You have a person living inside of you. The Bible calls Jesus the counselor. You have a counselor living inside of you. And I started thinking about when I got the Holy Ghost, Sister Harris, and I just remember going to do wrong and hearing the counselor say, don't do that. And I remember all the days, amen, I opened my eyes early in the morning, and, and usually I would just close them back up again. You know, I was one of those guys, I didn't know 7 o'clock came twice in the day, praise God. And I, I remember, hallelujah, waking up in the morning and thinking, what am I going to do today? And hearing the counselor say, apply for a job. <laughs> and I remember getting my first check, and you know what the counselor told me? Give your tithes. I didn't get a big amen on that. And I said, the beautiful part of getting the Holy Ghost, Victor, is you have secondary intelligence. You have, a, you have another person living inside of you. I said, Victor, you'll still have hard times, but you'll never be alone. You'll still cry, but not by yourself. Oh, come on. You'll be alone, but you'll never be lonely. That's the real, that's the real blessing is what comes into you. Because what comes into you fills that gap. I told, this, I told this young pastor that was telling me I had to go to church on Saturday. I said, brother, I said, I'm, we need to read the book of Colossians chapter 2 together. And I read him what I'm about to read to you. I said, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit and after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in him, and we ain't preaching about the Trinity, but it didn't say in them. It says, for, and I let him have that too when we got on the Trinity for a minute. But I told him, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You don't need to go to nobody. Everything you need is in Jesus. Everything Everything you need is in Jesus, a wife, a car, a house, amen, hallelujah, strength, grace, mercy, peace, love, joy, everything you need is in Jesus, self-confidence, reassurance, self-esteem, amen, hallelujah, happiness, everything you need is in Jesus, amen, amen, comfort, counsel, everything you need is in Jesus, salvation, forgiveness of sins, everything you need is in Jesus, deliverance from drugs, from alcohol, from depression, from suicide. Everything you need is in Jesus. Everything you need. Somebody said, well, pastor, I'm not getting all that. You want to know why you're not getting all that? Because you don't really believe it's all in him. And I know that sounds mean. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But I'm not saying that. I'm not just talking out the side of my neck. I was depressed and I found it all in him. I tried to kill myself two times before I got saved. And I found it all in him. I was hooked on drugs. And I went to rehab. I did all this. I was drugging. I was drinking. I was thugging. And you know what? I found it all in him. Amen. Hallelujah. I've been to therapists, psychologists. And I found it all in him. Amen. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I, 
My mama tried to save me. I tried to save myself. And you know what I found out? My mom can't save me. I couldn't save myself. The, 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 the juvenile system couldn't save me. Couldn't nobody save me. There's people that have been told by the doctor, you're going to die. You got to quit smoking. You got to quit drinking. You got to get, and they can't save themselves. People with a trach in their neck asking for the next pack of Marlboros. Can't save themselves. Because we can't do it. People with failing kidneys and livers. Asking for the next 40. Why? Because man can't save themselves. There are people right now in the psych ward with loving parents, loving mom, loving dad, money. Everything, education, you name it. And you know what? And, and as soon as they get out, they still might attempt to take their life again. Why? Because they have a genetic malfunction? In some cases, maybe. But in a whole lot of cases, because we won't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. I preached it to you on Sunday. Hebrews 1 and 3, it says, by himself, he purged all our sins. It takes a big man and a big woman to come to the feet of Jesus. You know why a lot of people don't get the Holy Ghost? I'll tell you right now. Because they just can't lay it all at the feet of Jesus. There's people that are lifting their hands, but they're thinking, I'm going to get myself out of this. There's people lifting their hands, and they're thinking to myself, I'm going to turn this around. There's people lifting their hands, crying out to Jesus. Amen. But deep down in their hearts, they're thinking to themselves, I got this. I'm strong. I'm going to just keep calm and carry on. Mm-hmm. Come on. You're going to keep calm and kill yourself. Yeah. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. We are complete in him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Verse 10 says, and you are complete in him, which is the head mm-hmm. of all principality and power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Look at verse 16. Let no man mm-hmm. judge you in meat. Or in drink, or in respect to holy day, or in the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. If you were to go back and read Colossians chapter 2, that's your homework assignment for tonight. You will see Paul's just lifting Jesus up. The whole chapter. He says, in fact, at one point, he says that baptism has replaced circumcision. He says faith in Christ replaces all this stuff. He just keeps lifting Jesus up. He says, look at Jesus. Jesus is the head of all power. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You are complete in him. Being baptized in his name replaces circumcision and all this stuff. And then finally he goes, and I'll tell you what. When you're believing in Jesus, you don't even need a Sabbath day. I told this brother, I said, brother, you got a lot of things wrong. I said, but the thing you got the wrongest is your Christology. You're not lifting Jesus high enough. And so you're out there trying to save yourself. You're not lifting Jesus high enough. And so you're out there worshiping on Saturday and trying to convince me to do the same. I said, the biggest difference between you and me is I believe it's all in him. I don't believe in the Trinity. And furthermore, I don't believe that I need to go to church on Saturday. I said, I got news for you, brother. I don't. He said, well, you, he said, you know, Catholic church, the Catholics made up Sunday. I said, I got news for you. I don't believe I need to go to church on Sunday either. I, I believe, and I know I know some folks amen in me right now. You ain't hearing me, hallelujah. That's like, you need to go to church. You need church. You better go to church, hallelujah. But, but this is what I'm saying. 
I'm, I'm trying to give you good sound doctrine. I believe I can go to church on any day of the week. I believe if church was Monday nights, we'd be in the word for going to church. If church was on Saturday, we could do Saturday. I'm like, brother, you're the one that can't do Saturday. You, you can only do Saturday. I can do Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because I'm free. This is bondage. This is bondage. You're the one that can't touch me. And now you've been getting picky over the veggie burgers you eat. Some ain't meatless enough now. That's bondage. I said, brother, I said, I said, I said, how do you get to church? Said, I drive. I said, you already sinned. Because the Bible says you will not start a fire on the Sabbath day. So the minute you turn the key in that car, that, that car ignited. I said, by fire. You started a fire that day. And you done sinned. You done sinned. You see how wacky that stuff gets? You see how weird that stuff gets? You see what living under bondage gets like? You see what happens when you don't just do what God says? You see what happens when you try to save yourself? It never ends. It never, it never ends. And you know what? We do this on all kinds of levels. Let me tell you something. And here's, here's some good advice. And pastor's done yelling at you. Every time you set an aim, every time, and everybody ought to have an aim, but every time you fix your aim on something, you know what else you're doing simultaneously? You're creating a judge. And that judge is telling you whether you're, whether you're hitting that mark or not. Sometimes that's good. Because sometimes that judge, that, that judge you've created is telling you, you ain't trying hard enough, you got this, you could do this, so you try harder. But sometimes that judge is not so good. And sometimes that judge says, man, look in the mirror. Lost two pounds and you look like you gained four. <laughs> Tell you what it is, girl. You ain't drinking enough water. <laughs> so now you got to go from 60 ounces to 80 ounces. And 80 ounces ain't doing So now you got to go to 100. <laughs> look at you. Mm-hmm. You ain't using the right cream. You need to mix that cream with this cream and the bags will go away. Look at you, brother. Tell you why you're in the mess you're in. You're not working enough. I'll tell you why you have the money problem you got. Because you ain't balancing that right. You ain't doing that right. So you need to work more. You need to work more. You're not working hard enough. Your dad was a hard worker. Don't put the family to shame. Get up. I'm preaching good. You may not think so. I think so. Amen. You get those aims, you get those goals. Well, got to have this paid off. Got to have this right. Gotta, and that, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But this is why James says, you know what you ought to say? This is what I want to do. If God wills. That's right. yeah. If God wills. If that's the way God wants it. And sometimes you get... Sometimes you get on that trajectory. Sometimes you get on that path. And you're like, God, your will be done. God, your will be done. And in the middle of your college, God says, we go in another direction. And in the middle of it all, God says, girl, it ain't about that. It's getting quiet. Praise God. Sometimes you got to recalibrate. And then sometimes you got to just stop. You got to say, God, I've been running around like crazy. 
forgetting my wife's birthday. Didn't thank my husband. Yelled at the kids for no reason. Out here trying to save myself. Hurting myself. Not trusting in you to save me. I'm going to tell you what's a lethal combo to the devil. Is a person that has all their trust in Jesus. And works hard six days a week. Yeah. Somebody who in the midst of everything. Is still showing up to church. Saying I need this. Not as a part of my life. At the center of my life. You know what, ladies? Sometimes you just got to step out the house, no matter how you look, and be like, man, I'm completing him. Amen. 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 Might not get a double tap on this pick, but. <laughs> you just completed Jesus today. Release yourself. Release yourself from the world's standards. Just release yourself. Gentlemen, we got to release ourselves from the world's definition of what it means to be a man and rest in God and rest in. Come on, somebody and rest in God. It's all standing. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Come on, let's rest in him right now. Let's lift those hands. Hallelujah. There's a Sabbath inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. There's a presence and a rest inside of you right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God.